The opinions and views expressed as part of this podcast in no way represent those held by American Football Ireland or the Irish NFL show. As always, this show is just a bit of crack, guys, so no giving out. episode of the Domestic Game Podcast, where we take you through the insights and stories of all things American football here in Ireland. We're your hosts, Kelly and I'm Robbie Caldwell. Let's get down to it. Okay, so welcome back, guys, to, I think this is technically week week 12, even though we're actually on week 13. So, Rob, would you maybe like to explain why there wasn't an episode out last week? Uh, not really, Kelly. I, I'd much prefer if we just glossed over the fact that last week's episode did not make it out. Um, as I'm sure most people are aware, uh, Kelly does all the editing and background production on the show, whereas I just come on here and chat about the superstar it's just chat i just chat that that's my one talent is just talking when it comes to the background stuff um not so great so kelly uh took the took the idea that maybe it was time to let me produce the show and yeah lo and behold we uh we don't get a show out so <laughs> There is an episode if uh, if anyone wants to get in touch. There's some like top quality content, some high class gossip, and you know many more things American football. Uh, but yeah, that episode is still in the production. Um, both tracks from myself and Kelly have been edited. It just needs to be fully put together, censored in places, and a little bit of tweaking done. Yeah, it'll be a bonus episode at at some stage. At some stage, if anyone wants, you know get in contact with the show maybe we can uh, come to some kind of a monetary agreement that the show might be released yeah we do accept cash bribes sponsorship cash sponsorship, sponsorship. <laughs> but yeah no uh last week's episode just just didn't come to fruition uh it was recorded just i didn't get around to fully editing it so to all our valuable and much loved listeners and to Kelly, uh, I must apologise from the bottom of my football-shaped heart. <laughs> so if anybody has any ideas for, you know, official apologies that Rob can do to each and every one of you, please send them in because uh, I think he should do them. The best one might uh, get a prize. Yeah, let's do that. Best one gets a prize. So really, Kelly, we'll uh, get through a bit of bit of stuff from what we would have covered in last week's show. Uh, I think the real breaking one that we've seen over the past week is the emergence of the superstar that is Finn Kearns over in Finland. Yeah, yeah so young Finn Kearns playing over there in Finland, really lighting up the Finnish Football League. Yeah, absolutely lighting up. So he's playing in the Maple League with the Crusaders over in Finland and their regular season is finished now across that league and he has finished that as their top receiving wide receiver over there so he has 638 receiving yards for the season and six um touchdowns 
And I think he was averaging something like 78 yards a game. Yeah, and so Finn, for anybody that doesn't know, he's come through the UL Vikings. He's a Wolfhounds player, so most people would know him on that scene. He's been a wide receiver and uh, a DB for the, the Wolfhounds. Absolutely phenomenal player. He's a player who back in the day turned 18 twice. He'll know what I mean by that, and the UL Vikings will know what I mean by that. But absolute baller and brilliant to see him uh, doing so well on the international scene there. Yeah, and I believe that actually a lot of the players over there in Finland are actually on semi-pro contracts. So for like a country that only has five and a half million of a population, there must be quite the American football following to be able to afford their players those kind of deals. I know it's something, Kelly, you've said on many a previous episode, like it would be great to get the standard and the engagement over in this country up to the level where we could actually afford to pay some of our you know, higher caliber athletes, even the likes of those who are on the Wolfhound squad. Yeah, I'd love to see it. And even um, how they do it across Europe. And let's say I know that Ray Burke back in the day, he went over to St. Paulton in uh, Austria and his setup was very much, uh, they provided um, a place for him to live and uh, a bit of a stipend then that in fairness wasn't like a huge amount but was enough to get by on and so that was kind of what you saw with the semi-professional contracts I don't know if Finn is on something similar but I would would think that that's what he has going for them um so I'd love to see that across across Ireland across the AFI I think that we could start with something like that with the Wolfhounds someday Um, because I know there's a couple of guys you know playing American football here at the minute definitely a couple of wide receivers who let's give them those stats are incredible. Great work by Finn, you know, getting those touchdowns, getting those passing yards, you know, making those catches. But there's a couple of receivers in this country itself, you know, playing in AFI who are getting, you know, numbers either quite measurable too or even surpassing that. And maybe a few of those guys are thinking to themselves, you know, where's the bag? <laughs> Show them the money. Show me the money. But no, absolutely great stuff for him. Um, like you said, the guy's forever 18. May he keep balling out long beyond that we do this podcast. Yeah, and we'll just be supporting him all the way. So uh, that's it, Finn. Well done. And then we're also looking at other sort of our, our fine exports, you know, going to these different countries. We said about how there's the likes of Finn Cairns playing over in Finland. You've got uh, Sunshine 22, Dave King playing over in Germany. But two guys who we actually brought up on the show <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago, Kevin Mayo and Oluwala Gazelle, you know, playing over there in America for North Park University in Chicago, Illinois. So we actually see that, you know, there's been a few games have taken place. I believe the Panthers even had up on maybe their social media that they were staying up late one night to watch the games. I think the North uh, North Park Vikings have actually played maybe three games this season. Be great to hear how those guys are getting on, uh, looking at the guys. One thing I didn't realize was that Gazal is actually from Betty's Town County Louth. He went to college in DKIT. If you're looking at his uh, his bio on the the Vikings uh, or their website. My God, did the Mavericks miss out on a man there? Missed out big time. Missed out big time because I would say that fella would destroy people across the AFL one league. Like looking at his measurables, he's six foot one. He is 127 kilos. He's playing there at the end. He's a bit of a wrecking ball. 
and that just goes to show, you know, you really got to get your club out there, get the exposure, and make full use of your catchment area. Because from what we understand is that he actually came up through the the Panthers ranks. There was a player, you know, in the Loud catchment area that they really could have got. They could have, you know, really developed. He could have developed the club. You know, there's certain stuff like this that, you know, you really got to keep a lookout for and really make sure that you have your team out there in your locality. Yeah, couldn't agree more. But enough about players making a big abroad. Let's bring it back here to the this country and what really is the domestic game. Yeah, so Rob, I know you're only dying to tell us about the new flag schedule that has been released. So take it away there. It is flag season once again. Oh, <laughs> am I delighted. So as everyone knows, or everyone possibly should know, uh, I also do the uh, the role of director of flag football here in Ireland for American Football Ireland, as well as being one half of this podcast. And there this week, the flag schedule was announced. So we are going big this year. We are going super big. We have got two divisions, two conferences in each division. Uh, we have, I think it now works out at about... 22 teams in total we've got you know the re-emergence of the Wexford Eagles who are coming back to flag football a team that originally would have started as flag before moving into kitted we have got the Belfast City Lions in their first season as a flag team going in there we also have the, the Mavericks going for gold with only entering one team this year you know talking to the head coach of their flag football team he says they've spent two years now with two teams. Everyone's developed. Everyone's got enough sort of playing time. He really wants to just go for gold. And this is what he's seeing as a, a make or break year for, for the club, for for everyone involved. And I think that they're really driven to, you know, push forward and to, and to make that, you know, charge for the title. We've got the Eden Derry Eagles coming back to try and defend their title. A team who, as I think we've said before, are unbeaten in possibly two years. At Trinity as well, then, who probably feel like they left a bit of silverware on the pitch in the Summer Shield. Definitely coming back to try and be a, a huge contender for that league uh, league trophy. Yeah, and like it's it's going to be really, really spicy up there at the top. But if you're even looking at the Division 1, Division 1 South, where you've got the likes of the South Dublin Panthers, Dublin Rebels, Westmeath Minotaurs, UCD... That is four big, big yeah. clubs in one division. It's stacked. It is stacked indeed. And there are going to be some great games. And they only have three weeks, three weeks of action to make it to the playoffs. You know, if they end up, if anyone in that sort of side of the draw finishes third or fourth, they're in real danger of not being able to battle for promotion to the, to the top flight. And really at the end of the day, any team in that Division 1, they don't want to be there. They don't want to be there. They want to be up there challenging for a Premier Division title. Yeah, absolutely. Looking at Division 1 North, then we see the return of the UCC Elks, which is a team that we haven't seen uh, in this season yet. So very excited for what they're going to do. I know Matthew from the Elks, who is training with the Wolfhounds at the minute, is balling out there. So, I mean, he's just an absolute weapon for them on, on their offence. Yeah, and if we're even looking like the, the Belfast Trojans are entering two teams again this year, you know, with the sort of exodus of flag players to the Belfast City Lions 
following that breakaway, we thought that maybe that it would be the Trojans only having, say, the one team and focusing on having that Premier Division team. But no, they still have these numbers, big numbers representing that T. And they're having the two teams. Going to really use the uh, Division 1 as kind of a feeder for their development mental players to try and give them more game time. But still, impressive stuff. Mohamed Ramadan uh, keeping this ship afloat. You know, we all love Mo. We're a big fan of Mo and uh, really looking forward to that week two matchup between the Lions and the Trojans because, I mean, we know that the Trojans are one of those teams that takes things personally. That's part of them being a championship type type club. And uh, it just will be interesting to see how all that drama is going to play out on the pitch, really where it matters. Absolutely. Like, you know, the Lions, pure flag only team, Trojans, sort of the multi-discipline team with the flag, the senior and the youth kitted. Both teams will be will be trying to win that game. That'll be an important important kind of uh, win for either team that comes out on top there. If you were to pick any game in Division 1 North for this season, that is the game that you'll want to see. Absolutely. It's the Lions against the Trojans, no doubt about it. Yeah, and then we're seeing the Jets coming over to the flag side of things. That will be interesting to see how their Donaghy Group Cup, obviously we saw them doing very, very well well coming out as the, uh, the second best in that, and maybe they can come out on top of this flag league. I think this just proves that, you know, second just isn't good enough for any team regardless whether it's kitted flag youth you know they've lost the the Dunhee group invitational cup final you know finishing runner up is not going to satisfy them in this either they will be pushing for the win and against the vipers as well and they have that week one matchup against the vipers so they'll be trying to set that record straight this is going to be the sort of matchup where you ain't relying on over d linemen it's going to be receivers and DBs going hard at it. So with a minimum of three and in some conferences four weeks worth of action, it's all shaping up for an incredible finale with the finals being held on November 6th. Location still not confirmed just yet, but within the next week or so, we're definitely going to be finding out a lot more where it's going to be held and possibly even the teams in contention for winning this year's flag league titles. Right, Rob, I'm going to have to reel you back in from the flag and bring you back to the kids. All the action that happened there over the weekend with the start of this new kind of football tournament that was meant to be held, which was going to feature the likes of the Crusaders, the Rhinos, the West or Mullen, no, West Meath Minotaurs and the Dublin Bay Pirates. Yeah, the North Dublin Pirates. That's it. The North Dublin Pirates. <laughs> no, the North um, Dublin Pirates. I nearly called them the Dublin Bay Pirates there. But the North Dublin Pirates, unfortunately, have had to uh, pull back from participating this year. And I know that that is a decision that they certainly haven't taken lightly. I think it's for safety reasons for themselves. Um, so that is as much as we know about that. Very disappointing because it would have been great to see what they were going to bring to the non-competitive season, particularly after, you know, participating quite well in the flag tournament to the Summer Shield so um, I know that they'll be disappointed and we are disappointed but the other teams are doing are doing great as we saw you know the Minotaurs coming out with a, a strong game against the Bulldogs we've talked about that already and then the game on the weekend with the Crusaders and the Rhinos Yeah so I know that yourself and the much loved Joe Kinahan 
were actually doing the commentary on that game. Unfortunately, uh, I wasn't available to attend as there was a garden and many, many stones to get raked. And if anyone has uh, read much Patrick Cavanaugh poetry, you will know that the stony grey soil of Monaghan did rob him of his youth. And quite frankly, I was really wishing that I had my youth back after after Sunday. <laughs> Stony Grey Soil of Monaghan also robbed AFI of one of its best commentators on, <laughs> on an experimental live stream. So, you know, that Stony Grey Soil has a lot to answer for at this point. It really does, Kelly. It really does. But no, please, like, I think myself and definitely everyone listening here tonight would love to hear more about the action, like what happened, what went on. Uh, I believe that the game was held in Castlenock College. That is correct. So, yeah, so we got the uh, stream going up there at about half time. We had a few uh, technical difficulties with it, which is okay. I mean, it's experimental. These things are going to happen. I think that it's great that we're starting to see the start of the potential of being able to do these things. I had myself and uh, Joe Kinahan then were doing a little bit of commentary on the game, which was great. Fantastic game, I have to say. The Crusaders and the Rhinos seemed to be fairly well matched. I have to say the Crusaders, I felt, um, started the game looking quite dominant and then the rhinos kind of after knocking a little bit of rust off towards the end of the game um started to make a pretty impressive comeback i really think that they just kind of ran out of time as the momentum had kind of shifted um in their favor into the second half so that game finished 38 34 um and again just feeling like the rhinos just running out of time really was what was what it was um have to give a shout out to some standout performances so i mean you know tommy I think everyone around the league knows Tommy at this stage. Uh, Tommy back now playing with the Crusaders after doing the uh, the combine scene around America there for a few of the colleges. Yeah, so apparently got on very well there and we, we love to see that and he came back and he was on form, absolutely on form, just an absolute weapon, very, very difficult to cover. He got the first um, touchdown of the game. This was a deep pass from QB Jordan Farrell right into um, Tommy's hands and he just met it to the line then with really kind of no one even close to covering him. So, I mean, like that was... Um, you love to see uh, the, your first drive go that way. You know, that's a dream way to start any game. Probably for me, the play of the day was a simultaneous catch between him and uh, Rhino's uh, DB in the end zone that the two of them kind of came down together, were kind of fighting for the ball on the way down and Tommy was just that bit more aggressive and just pulled the the ball out of the, the Rhino's player's hands and a simultaneous catch um, is will will rule with the offense. Um, it's considered to be an offensive catch. So on that occasion, the TD is the correct um, is the correct call, and so that was just probably for me the best touchdown of the day. Kelly putting on her officiating cap there to you know actually bring us all some more knowledge as to why things happen and why things are allowed. Yeah, I know it's really hard to take that cap off. I swear, once it comes on or once it's on at all, that's it. Um, and a lot of the time, I would be watching like a football game and looking at the line and counting the players in the backfield, and it's just there's you just can't get out of that zone. Like, but anyway, um, I attempt to. There was also a great um play in the I think this was in the third or the fourth quarter, and this kind of really you know this was when the Crusaders just needed something because the Rhinos were starting to really threaten them at this point and uh, Jordan had given a, a pass and it was kind of a 
a bit underthrown to Tommy. Tommy, of course, came back off his route, caught the pass and ran across the pitch to make the line. Like, so really, he just had an absolute um, standout game there. Like, just from that, I think he had three touchdowns on the uh, for that game, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so just an absolute beast of a player. So I'm hearing an awful lot now about the Crusaders. Um, what about the Rhinos? To the team that are considered the posh boys of American football here in Ireland, based in Castleknock College, a college or secondary school, you know, synonymous with many an Irish celebrity, such as Colin Farrell, uh, with their patronage, you know, owing to St. Vincent de Paul. Barry Bolton. Barry Bolton? Who's <laughs> their coach? <laughs> I don't know if he's an alumni, he plays with them. Which is, Who is their coach? That. Absolutely. Big up to the to the BB gun. Boom, boom. But yeah, so we've got Colin Farrell, Barry Bolton. And like we said, uh, St. Vincent de Paul is one of their patrons. Uh, and actually each year, the uh, <laughs> the students of uh, Castanagh College, the lads get together and they sell Christmas trees. No way. Honest to God, honest to God. They, they sell Christmas trees and the money raised from the sale of these Christmas trees actually goes to help St. Vincent de Paul. So actually, you know, they really are a great bunch of lads that uh, that they use maybe the pitches closer to the school. A few, the last time I played there, it was maybe a third pitch. It was quite down the back. Yeah, that's where they play. Yeah. A little bit unlevel, a little bit marshy. But I have played before at one of their top pitches, which was actually pretty nice. You know, good flat surface. Nice grass. If anyone has heard this show before, you know, I'm a big fan of nice grass. <laughs> whether it be Castle Knock, whether it be Waterford, anywhere, you know. Bring back wolves. Bring back wolves. But the score at the end of the game was extremely tight. The Rhinos really must have come back with something. I know the uh, there was quite a deficit at halftime. What happened in that second second half of football that really sort of swung the... Or was the turning of the tide. So for the Rhinos, the biggest thing that was successful for them, I feel anyway, was their QB running. So they have two QBs that are looking good um, at the minute. So uh, the first QB is Ethan Foster. He's QB number five. Um, I think he got two touchdowns. I could be incorrect there. It could be three touchdowns um, that on the day. But the run game from him is just so difficult to defend against he's one of those that he will really take his time in the pocket just enough time he kind of looks at all his options and will see if the run is on and kind of look then again at his o-line and see where the spaces is and you know someone might feel like a blitzer might feel they're just about to get him and the next thing he just does this little jump and he is gone and he's so fast he goes from like very kind of um slow movements and then turns it up a gear and he's just gone down the pitch so really strong run from him also some strong run from um rodrigo nito i've probably butchered that name uh so that is number 12 and he is a um actually with the quetzals the flag team so that's a team that you would know quite well and that we have spoken about now so he is new with the with the rhinos whereas ethan is actually from upstate new york and has been qb for two seasons with the rhinos so they have like quite a nice bit of depth on their charts which is great that's kind of what you what you want to see two very different quarterbacks you know very versatile and able to be deployed in in very different ways in different situations you know it really does uh give give the rhinos quite the options and it uh, gives coach bolton many opportunities to run many different packages and different sets for different players purely dependent on the situation that the the rhinos find themselves in on the pitch 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And something that they did run quite effectively was um, two tight end sets with their tight end. And this is going to be totally butchered, so I can only apologize. Adriano Dorta, who um, was really a good option. They ran it once and it... Um, they got the two point conversion they ran it again a second time and the Crusaders were kind of wise to at that point so they didn't didn't quite pay off that second time but again another player from the Quetzals coming over into the Rhino so we're really seeing where Flag is benefiting uh, kitted teams which is great in terms of, of development Yeah because I know the Quetzals themselves from uh, talking to a few of them they do a lot of their training actually in the Phoenix Park you know anyone who's kind of accustomed to the Dublin area uh, D15 which is sort of the Carpenter's Town, Castleknock, Blanchard's Town kind of region. Uh, that would also come across into sort of the um, the Phoenix Park. So quite possibly the Rhinos being in Castleknock would be the closest team, the closest kitted team for the Quetzals to join. I know quite a few of the Quetzals players have actually experienced playing uh, in other full contact leagues around the world. So it's, it's quite... Um, it's it's excellent that the that the rhinos are able to take full advantage of this and bring in those players with that experience and it's clearly showing that those players have led to the development and growth of the squad and sort of given them that extra bit of sort of flavor and spice that is making everything nice yeah exactly it's effective recruitment in fairness to them so um, yeah it's brilliant the other player that I really do have to give a shout out to from the Rhinos is defensive player number two um, the safety there the the DB his um, Pat Gahan is his name and he actually got the pick at the end of the 2018 IFL 1 Bowl which won the Rhinos that game back in the day but I think he had two picks um, on the day he could have gotten a few more he was right there um, so let's say when Jordan was passing you know he's passing it to Tommy there's not a very very difficult to cover a guy like Tommy like he's just an absolute athlete but when he was um going over to his wide receiver on on the right hand side there that's really where um Pat was doing a lot of damage um in if he wasn't picking the ball off he was there threatening to do it I think there was two that actually were in his hands that he dropped to put that down to rust but two good picks there and uh, even someone that Joe Kinahan was saying after seeing the game because the Minotaurs will be playing the Rhinos um, soon was saying that that will be a player that he will have to watch out for as as QB of, of the, the Minotaurs so do you know really good game for him as well it was one of those that uh, with the Rhinos they did start a bit slow, but they really started to find their form to, into the second half. The The team that came out in the in the second half was a different team to the team that was in the first half. want to switch it back over then again to the Crusaders because I will be killed if I don't give a shout out to number 55, uh, Thomas Brocklebank, who had a fumble recovery on the line and ran the ball in for a touchdown for the Crusaders, but also had a pass breakup, um, an interception actually for a two point attempt uh, for the Rhinos um, and ran a good bit down the pitch before actually being tackled and not being able to get the whole way down to the line, but he had a the right idea and it was just a really good game from him and uh, what was really funny actually was I went over to the Crusaders uh, sideline at one point and I didn't know um, 55 was Brocklebank of course and literally all I hear is shouting 55 Brocklebank 55 Brocklebank and it's him screaming his number and his name at me and you know sometimes that's what you have to do to make sure that we know do you know what your name is what your number is so that you get the credit for your for your touchdown and for your good plays and all this so guys like 
when we're at games, you see us there and you know you're having a good game, just scream your number and your name at us and that'll make sure that you're featured on, on the episode in the way that you deserve to be. So the the two other touchdowns that I haven't spoken about yet was a pick in the first half by um, number 26 for the Rhinos. A fantastic pick six from him. And then also some brother uh, brotherly love there from QB Jordan Farrell to his younger brother, Kalen Farrell, um, 85. This, of course, unfortunately for him, was... Uh, call back so I know he was feeling quite robbed by that even though I don't disagree with the call made by the officials on the day um, that touchdown then was scored on the next play by wide receiver number 11 for the Crusaders so um, yeah very good very good game two evenly matched teams Crusaders looking quite well I thought that their um, defensive line looked very well particularly in the first half I did feel that the the offense started to get a little bit chaotic in the second half just a little bit of panic because the Rhinos were able to put them under a bit of pressure and then the QB runs from the Rhinos team really really um helping them to elevate their game going into the the second half of that game so that's it I really do feel that both teams got to knock off a lot of rust and got back playing proper football and you could see the development from each quarter into the next no, absolutely. Like it's great to have football being back played. Uh, long may it continue going forth into next year after these teams get these uh, mini series of games over and out of the way. It'll have them good standing going into the winter break, and then hopefully that just next year, uh, come the the start of January, they all just basically kick off where they've left off and keep keep running. No, like absolutely great game. Although I do believe that there was a, a point that was marred by a little bit of controversy. Oh yeah, so you're talking about the ejections. Yeah, there was two ejections on the day. So um, QB Jordan Farrell was ejected for two unsportsmanlike conducts, um, which, look, it's one of those QB you never want to see your QB go out. And it did put the Crusaders into a difficult position in the closing minutes of the game. And then the second ejection then was actually Barry Bolton, who just on the very last play of the game just got a, just went to, to get a hit on uh, his opposing lineman just just because it was the last play of the game you don't like to see it it's kind of a there's no need for it but look that's the way it went so um, that's head coach Barry Bolton uh, yeah I think he was head coach at one point um, I'm not sure if he's head coach at the minute but um, yeah he would be one of the coaching roster yeah so do you know look at a bit disappointing but um, the way the cookie crumbles you know he will be ejected and he'll have to serve his half game suspension and that's that's how it goes. Don't do the crime if you can't do the time. I suppose there's a lot of men out there, you know, just with all that pent up aggression after two years nearly without football. It's possibly if you're going to get ejected, now is the time of the year to get ejected. Get a get all that out of your system before the regular league starts next year, and just uh, try to learn from your mistakes and not to do them again. Yeah, well, this is it. I mean, the thing is with a targeting ejection is a safety call. So it is one of those where even if you do have pent up frustrations, there's a lot of other stuff that you can do to get rid of that out rather than putting another grown man in physical danger. You've heard it here first. Relieve your stress and tensions in other ways than hitting other men. So to conclude that we section, great game had by all, a great day had by all, except for the players that got 
targeted and the players that got ejected but sure look it it is what it is so big thanks big shout out to Bill Doherty to uh, Joe Kinahan the like the Minotaurs themselves just for allowing AFI to use their equipment to kind of uh, try out the live stream of the game we will try it again hopefully and hopefully get it um, working very well and uh, we can see these positive steps going towards getting getting our games live streamed and getting a lot more media coverage for our games the way how we all deserve so really great thanks a big thanks to them for that and um, we'll leave it there